Oh, choir, thank you for uh, leading us in worship. And uh, Brent, oh, Seth's here, right? Your dad did an awesome job. So it's great to hear Alan sing. Uh, I've never heard you sing like this. Alan, thank you for leading us in worship and using your gifts to glorify Christ. Um, we're going to be in Mark today, continuing a, a second week in our study, a new sermon series in the book of Mark, um, simply called Quotation Marks. And you might have seen these booklets. If you don't have one now, don't rush out and get it. You can wait. Uh, but we have these books. They have notes in the back. You can collect your sermons. They're also online. Um, the booklet should be and also the sermons. And so if you've missed something and if you're that person that just has to have every word, you can go online because I speak really fast. Um, so these are for you out in the, the inner lobby here. Uh, let me say thank you guys for praying for our family. Some of you know that Casey's granddad had a massive stroke um, Thursday night, and I don't have an update today. So as far as we know today, he's still living, but in critical condition. Um, but for us, that's, that's a celebration. And let me tell you why. I was the first, so this is Casey's, my wife's grandfather, um, but I was one of the first third generation cousins in the room. I, I wheeled her grandmother up um, Saturday, Friday morning, the days run together. Um, but we have heard his testimony of faith. So any grandparents in the house, great-grandparents, we know who you are, come on, right? Um, you're the ones that spoil our kids and we have to correct them after we leave your house. We, we know your ways. Let me just say this. If your kids and your grandkids don't know how you came to faith in Christ, call them today. Don't wait tomorrow because there's gonna be a day where they're in the ICU with you. And they're gonna be able to say, the legacy that you have passed to me will continue to those who are yet unborn. It's important. So don't wait. And you say, well, they don't wanna hear that. Who cares? You, you are their grandparent and you have earned the respect for them to listen. And if they say, well, I don't wanna hear it, you say, I don't care, listen. And they're gonna say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. They need, it. They need that. So with all that said, thank you for praying for us. Pray for Grandpa John and the family that God would be glorified and that those who might not know Jesus through this would see that because of the resurrection, we have hope. Praise God, we have hope. Uh, join me in Mark chapter one this morning, the second gospel, Mark chapter one, um, a message on compassion and cleanliness. If you notice, there's been a theme as we have sung today on give us clean hands, Lord, as we, the words that we have proclaimed, um, God, make us clean. So we're going to walk through this narrative together. I'm going to make some points of explanation. Then I will end with points of application. So that hopefully that'll help us as we move on today. So in the span of 15 verses, what you see in Mark 1, we find Jesus healing an un, or rebuking an unclean spirit, healing Peter's mother-in-law of a fever, curing a multitude of their sicknesses, driving out demons, and purifying a man with leprosy. And you might think, well, that is awesome. I mean, of course, the community would, would gravitate towards this man who is healing and restoring. Well, what we find in the word of God is that not everyone welcomes the message of the life giver. So if you're frustrated today, and you say, well, I'm living for Christ, I'm sharing the good news, and not everyone accepts that, you're in good company. Because in Mark 3, 6, we have after Jesus is cleansing people and curing people and healing and driving out demons, that they are, they are plotting his life. 
trying to kill him because the life-giving message of Jesus Christ is threatening to who you are currently. So let's read the word of God together. Beginning in verse 39, Mark chapter one. Read, I'm reading from the CSB. Jesus, he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Then a man with leprosy came to him and on his knees begged Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Move with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he said, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left the man and he was made clean. Then Jesus sternly warned him and sent him away at once, telling him, see that, that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet he went out and began to proclaim it widely and to spread the news with the result that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. But he, Jesus, was out in deserted places and they came to him from everywhere. Let's pray. Father, you are incredibly merciful to us. We ask that as we have read your word, we know that it is living and active. We know that the grass withers and the flowers may fail, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. So Father, we have opened your word and now we ask by your Holy Spirit that you would open our mind and open our heart to receive it, not only to hear, but be doers. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. First in the word of God, we see a, a leper's cry. Look at verse 40, a leper's cry. So we find Jesus uh, basically doing Jesus things, right? So look at verse 39 back up. With, we find Jesus preaching. I mean, that's what he's doing. He's proclaiming in the synagogues and driving out demons. Now, it's just interesting to me, like when, when the word of God is preached, what do demons do? They flee, right? So if demons can't sit there and be unmoved by the word of God, how much more so should we be stirred by the word of God? Now, despite what your friends might say, you are not a demon. And the demons flee. And so if you're struggling, if you're wrestling with maybe even satanic forces in your life, you say, I don't know how, how these, these bonds or these chains are going to break. Listen, here is how they break. The preaching of Jesus Christ. Submit to God, resist the devil, and not that he might flee, he might grow weary, he will, he will flee. So we see here Jesus preaching, doing Jesus things, and then look at verse 40. Who do we find? We find a man. What's the man's name? We don't know. Now, you know him, not by his name, but you probably know him as the leper. Can you imagine if no one knew your name and they only know you by your disease? What a condition that this man has. He, he doesn't have a name, he has a condition. And his condition is, what, he's, he's, a, he's a leper. We're not told exactly in scripture what leprosy is. 
Now, the scribes would, would tell us that there are 72 different types of skin diseases that this could be. Um, no matter what it was, it was just gross, right? We can, we, can, we can put him in the gross category. It was so repugnant that, that we are known, he's known by his condition, his disease. I can't imagine living my life being known not by my name, but my identity wrapped up in my condition, by my disease, by, by my, really not even my humanity. We know that, that it could be modern day Hansen's disease, it's a disease that attacks, it's a bacterial disease that attacks the nerves. And so you lose feeling. And because of that, you can um, have major difficulty later in life. Because if you burn yourself, if you cut yourself, you have no feeling. So, so bacteria quickly sets in and it is, it is overwhelming. So this was not a common cold by any stretch of the imagination. Listen to this. According to tradition, a person with leprosy was among the living dead. He was an untouchable. Now don't let that go beside you, right? This man was an untouchable. No name, you know his condition, and he was part of the living dead. For him, this was a sentence. This was a death sentence, right? Verse 40, then a man with leprosy comes to Jesus Christ. He said, well, that's, that's horrible. Why would he be cast away? The purpose was the health of the community. Can you imagine the entire community having the same leprosy that this man has and destruction being riddled throughout this man and his family and all of the village? See, if, if the personal effect was not enough, the ramifications were, were debilitating socially. Where's the leper living? On the street, if, if he's lucky. He, he's not only suffering physically, but socially he's shunned. One, for the health of the community, but two, for his health, for his well-being. Leviticus 13 in the word of God says this about the leper. The person who has a case of serious skin disease is to have his clothes torn and his hair hanging loose. Then he must cover his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. And in Leviticus 13, 46, he will remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside of the camp. Scribes tell us that, that if he gets confused and that he has to be at least 50 paces away from anyone. Can you imagine the difficulty of this man? Then a man with leprosy. So I've told you his condition. I have not given you his name. I've told you what should, where he should be, what should happen to him. And look at verse 40. The man with leprosy, 50 paces, living alone, sickness that leads to death. He's untouchable. What does he do? He comes to Jesus on his knee. This is the risk this unnamed man takes. He, he risks everything. He, he defies traditions and taboos, and he approaches Jesus within touching distance. He should not have been there. 
but he, he feels that, that Jesus is worth the risk. Think about that. Je Jesus is worth, this could lead to his death. They could stone him for violating the law of God. And this man says, you know what? I don't care. Jesus, if he can do what he says he can do, he's worth the risk of all things that the, the, the country and the law and the society tells me I should not be doing. Jesus is worth the risk. And we can almost hear the audience, as, as Mark's original readers, as they're reading this, I believe when they read verse 40, then the man with leprosy came to him, they would go, <gasps> that should never happen. That should never happen. Leprosy was so feared that, that we know that a man, a leper who goes into a house or stands by a tree makes the tree unclean and the house unclean. So if I have leprosy and I stand by a tree and I leave and Stuart walks by the tree and he is clean, he is now unclean. That's how fearful they were of leprosy. But for this man, the chance of being healed and restored by Jesus the risk was worth it. So before we even apply this to our lives, let me ask you, is the risk of following Jesus Christ worth it in your life? Is he worth it? You say, well, I, you, Pastor, you don't understand what could happen to me if I follow Christ. You need to determine today, is the risk worth it? Well, you don't, you don't understand. The church tells me I am not welcome you don't understand what the law says. Like, that, man, people that sin, like I have done, I, we're never welcome into the presence of God. Is the risk worth it? Do you believe that Jesus can heal and restore like he says he can? For this man, it was worth it. Look what he asked in verse 40. The man, no name, with this deadly death sentence of a condition, comes to Jesus, breaks protocol, finds the risk is worth it, jumps on his knees and begs Jesus. And listen to what he says. Don't miss us, church. What does he say? He says, if you are willing, he doesn't say if you can, he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You say his faith is already showing, isn't it? He believes Jesus can do it. He would not have come to Jesus if he didn't believe he could do it. So he comes to Christ and he says, Lord, if you are willing, this is the ask. He's already, he's already stepped out on faith, that's the risk. And now he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What does he want here? When he says, Lord, you can make me clean, what is he asking? We, we know from the word of God that to be made clean has several components. The first is this, very simply, is just the initial reading of the ask is what? I take the leprosy away. Lord, heal me. Like, you see I'm disfigured. You see I'm outcast. Lord, take away my condition if you are willing. But there's a second component to his uncleanliness. He not only needs to be 
made clean. What does he need again in the community? He needs to be restored. He needs to be made whole. And so he's asking Jesus, not only change my condition, but restore me back into relationship. Well, I can't see my family. Well, I can't see my wife. Lord, my, my little girl, I can't touch her anymore. And she can't touch me. I, I can't be within 50 paces. And Lord, I can't worship in the synagogue, the ones you're preaching to. Lord, restore me. Heal my condition. Restore me. Listen, in essence, the man is asking Jesus to heal and make him radically and ritually acceptable. And let me just stop here and say this. Like the leper, only Jesus can do that for you today. You say, well, I don't have a skin disease, pastor. Right now, I hope you start, as I start itching, I hope you start itching, right? We do have a disease. We do have a condition, it's called sin. And we'll apply that later, but I want you to begin thinking about that. Lord, only you can save me, heal me, and restore me into a relationship that I am so desperately longing for. Now let's look at the compassion of the Messiah. So we see the lepers cry. And the audience, as they read this, they're always saying that this, he's broken every cultural taboo that there is. And this is what Jesus says. He has every right to say, you nasty, unclean leper. How dare you get near me? How dare you not cry out unclean? How dare you defile? I am the, I am the Messiah who is saving the world. How dare you approach me in this way? He has the right to say that. But look at verse 41. Moved with compassion. Jesus does something that he should not do. He, he reaches out his hand and he touches him. Now, we know that Jesus is God. But to touch this man means that Jesus is becoming unclean himself. There's a risk for Jesus. By touching this man, he can become unclean. And he, he can no longer, his mission is to preach in the synagogue. If he teaches this man, he cannot preach in the synagogue. And yet Jesus is what? Move with compassion. So in the Greek, in the Greek language and also in culture, to be moved with compassion meant to be moved in the bowels, right? So they thought the seat of the motion was the intestine and that would have lots of ramifications for us. Can you imagine going up to your wife or your girlfriend and say, baby, you move me right here, small intestine. I love you so much. You, this, this part, compassion right here. Um, I don't know what that would look like on Valentine's Day. The whole heart, the candies in the heart would be really awkward, really quick. But Jesus is, 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 it's almost as if the Bible was saying every part of his inner being was moved. This is the Savior. You say, well, what is, I want to live like my Savior. When you see someone in need, we must be moved. This is Jesus Christ, there's love and there's pity. And the reminder to us is God does not look upon your difficulty with a blind eye. If you're in need right now, God is not saying, deal with it. 
You, know, you shouldn't have touched the other guy who was unclean and then you wouldn't be clean. But Jesus looks upon people in need with pity and compassion. If, if you're struggling right now and, and you're not coming to Christ because you feel like God is not gonna meet your sin with compassion, he's only gonna meet you with wrath, let this water your soul. So I can't come to Jesus because he's gonna destroy me because he should. He's gonna meet you with compassion in your time of need. We're gonna see how we should live shortly. That's internally, externally. How does Jesus handle the situation? Look what he does in verse 41. Moved internally, moved in his gut. He sees this man and it does something to Christ. He can't help himself. He does what? He reaches out and he touches him. Listen, the touch of Jesus Christ is no less scandalous than the, the risky proposition of the leper. In, in no realm of any possibility should the leper be near Christ and never would any respectable rabbi touch this man. But Jesus is no respectable rabbi. He's the Messiah. He plays by a new set of rules. Now church people, you need to hear that, right? So whatever rules you've listed out for God and you say God works this way, God doesn't play by your rules, right? Praise God, because I wouldn't be here if God played by church rules, because I don't deserve to be here. Christ has compassion and he, he touches this man. And in the face of this, any ritual observant Jew would recoil. Jesus is losing followers by doing this. He's saying, I'm about to be unclean. So radical and scandalous is this moment that art throughout history has depicted the leper's touch. If you go to the Sistine Chapel, I've never been. I would love to go one day. That would be a great birthday present. If anyone, if anyone would love that, um, to do that, I, I will go. I'll go with you if you want me to go with you. But there's a, there's a depiction of the leper's touch in the Sistine Chapel. And all throughout history. And it's interesting to see how the artists render this moment. Some picture Jesus touching his head on top. It's almost like a, a Southern bless your heart moment. I have compassion and pity. Some artists depict Jesus lifting up the head, touching his chin, almost to say, look at me. You with no name. Today I'm giving you back your dignity. Some depict Jesus holding his hands and touching him and saying, look, this hasn't happened to you in, in days or months. And here's a touch by someone who loves you. This is the power of Christ. And one commentator said it this way, and I love this depiction. He says, the outstretched arm of Jesus is a long reach for his day. And then he says, dot, 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 for any day. The long reach of Jesus Christ is a stretch, but you cannot run and you are not beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. That's the touch of our heavenly father. I, I think of it in these terms, because I, I grew up in the 80s and early 90s. Remember the stretch Armstrong dolls? Little, I guess they're not dolls, right? They're, they're, they're men dolls. Action, sorry, action figures, right? Action figures. Um, but no matter how far you stretched, his reach just kept growing. 
And I, I think for some of you, you feel like you're beyond the stretch of Jesus. You're not. And you say, well, uh, you don't understand my sin. You don't understand my condition. You don't understand that I've been shunned by my family. And you don't understand I've never had someone tell me that they love me. I've never had someone interact in this way. Then you've never met Jesus Christ. You are not beyond his reach. This is the power of the touch of the Savior. So with that, with the leper's cry, with the Messiah's touch, then where do we go from here? What what does a Christian community look like in light of, of we, we say, right, if we confess him as Lord, what does that mean? That we are following the Messiah. Well, if this is who our God is, then how do we live? How do we live? And let me make some points of application. First, Jesus was willing to break tradition to help the hurting. Jesus was willing to break tradition to help the hurting. And, and I, as I have been praying over this and saying, Lord, how, how do you want me to change? If this is what your son does, how do you want me, you now your adopted son, to live? Just thinking through, you know, what boundaries have you set in your life to prevent you from helping those in need? You know, we all have things that we've done in our life where we say, well, I'm just gonna hang around these type of people. And the danger is the more we go to church, the more we, we, we surround ourselves with godly, righteous men and women, which is good. If we're not careful, then we forget to surround ourselves with people who need the Lord. So if we're not careful, we, we exclude the lepers because we don't want the lepers making us unclean, right? Because that's what lepers do. If a leper touches you, you become unclean. And we say, well, we don't want that. But Jesus doesn't play by our rules. I was, at, I was at a football game last night with a friend um, named Nolan, and he was, we were during the game, so we're, we're hearing cowbells ring, and it's not, um, let, let me just say this, even for a Mississippi State fan, cowbells can be annoying, okay? Let me just make that, right? Um, they do affect us too, we're not immune. So I'm trying to listen to the conversation and hear that my right ear is ringing from the cowbells, my left ears, and he, he got gas that afternoon on the way to the game, and he encountered a man that was, he, he was obviously in need and he was hungry, and he said, well, how can I help you? And the man said, I would really like something to eat. He said, well, I'm going to this gas station. What would you like me to get? And the man said, I, I just want you to get me some chicken wings. And Nolan said, that was a strange. He said, are you sure you don't want me to get more? Because there's not much meat on the, the bones of chicken wings. And so he said, no, that's all I want. So he goes in, he gets the wings. He comes back out and says, look, can I pray with you? Because I just want you to know that God loves you. And this older man weeps. And on the, this curb of the gas station, confesses Christ as Lord. Yeah, just amazing, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that was better than any football game, right? We're, we're celebrating. Everyone's cheering. I'm like, let's cheer him because this man has come to faith in Jesus Christ. But he could have easily said, I'm in a rush. I don't have time. I don't have money but he was willing to break the boundaries that he had naturally set to help someone that was in need. And we need to think deeply through the natural patterns of our life. Have we naturally patterned our life to protect and insulate ourselves from those that are in deep need? Now listen, I want you to understand this. If people who are in deep 
need as leprosy come in this church, we have to risk the fact that they are going to make us unclean, right? It's not like, well, we're just, we're gonna come, they're gonna come in here and before they, when they enter the inner lobby, they're gonna put on a suit and they're just gonna morph. No, they might come in here disfigured and untouchable and outcast. And by touching them, you know that you're gonna be unclean too. But we worship a father who can create in us a clean heart and give us clean hands. Are you willing to break protocol to help those in need? And are you willing to look at your heart this week and say, God, what have I naturally set up to protect me from those that might, in my mind, defile me? But Lord, they need you. Jesus was willing to break tradition to help the hurting. Say it another way, the the church is a hospital for the saints and sinners, not a museum for the angels. There you go. Because we ain't them, right? We ain't them. Secondly, compassion cost. Compassion cost. We see our Savior risking his ritual cleanliness and his reputation as a respectable teacher so that this man might know good news. I'm reminded of the story Father Damien lived in the 1800s. Father Damien lived in one of the most beautiful places in the world, Malawi in Hawaii. If I ever go back, I want to go to this small island. They said it's, it has these rocky cliffs and it's picturesque, it's green, you see the surf. And he devoted his entire life for people with Hansen's disease, leprosy. Because for Hawaii, because it was so contagious at that moment, they had banned all the people with leprosy to Malawi. So you see this dichotomy, people who are the most disfigured, ugly people in the world are living in the most beautiful place in the world. And Father Damien says, I wanna wanna be compassionate towards them. And this is what happened. He began to teach his faith to the people of Hawaii. He cared for the patients. He built houses and schools and roads and hospitals and churches on this island. He dressed their ulcers. He built a reservoir. He made coffins. He dug graves. He shared pipes. He ate poi, which is a traditional Hawaiian food, from his hands with them, providing medical and emotional support. Now, listen to this. Compassion is costly. 13 years later, he was boiling some tea and pouring it And without realizing it, he poured the scalding water on his hand. And at that moment, he realized that he could not feel the scalding water. And at that moment, he knew that the leprosy that were killing the people of Malawi would one day take his life. Compassion is costly. And if I ever get the chance to ask him, I would guarantee if if I ask, is it worth it? He would say, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Compassion is costly, but it's worth it. Third application, truth without compassion is not good news. Truth without compassion is not good news. Jesus could have easily said, 
sir, please stop right there. You, 50 paces, you're at 51, stop right there. You're clean, you're healed, go home, go see the priest. But our savior didn't do that, did he? He had the good news. If he would have healed that man, that would have been good news, right? This is the point where, yes, is the answer. Yes, he he needs to be healed. He needs to be restored. But what does Jesus do for him? Even more than healing him, he gives him back his dignity. He, He lifts his head. He touches the man who was, the world said, do not touch him. And Jesus said, but that's what he needs. Listen, good news without compassion is not good news. Francis Schaeffer said this, biblical orthodoxy without compassion is surely the ugliness thing in the world. And what is sad, if we're not careful, church people can be some of the least compassionate people on the planet. May it never be said of us that we used the Bible as a wedge It has a barrier for us not to be compassionate. Circle Mark chapter one, verse 39, 40, and 41. If you ever think, Lord, should I be compassionate to someone? The answer is yes. Yes. We must be compassionate. Spurgeon said it this way, love your fellow men and cry about them if you cannot bring them to Christ. If you cannot save them, you can weep over them. If you cannot give them a drop of cold water in hell, you can give them your hearts, tears, while they are still in this body. Wow. Are we weeping over the untouchables? Are we weeping over those in need? Fourthly, we see this. Um, The priest can declare you clean. Look at verse 44. Jesus says, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest. So the priest can declare you clean, but only Jesus Christ can make you clean. Only Jesus Christ can make you clean. And and I think what we have hidden in this narrative, and Jesus was not abolishing the law. He was asking the man to fulfill the law. But what we have in this narrative is that the priest could not make him clean. So what's the modern application? Look, religion cannot cleanse you. We can validate what God has done in your life. What is baptism? It's an external validation of the obedience of faith that you've already put in Jesus Christ. Obedience in baptism is the priest saying, hey, you're clean now. But Jesus has already done that. It's the leper saying, look what Jesus has done. And if you are hoping in a baptism or a priest or a catechism or a Southern Baptist attendance chart or whatever you might be hoping in, if you're hoping in anything other than Jesus Christ to cleanse you, it will never happen. Only Jesus has the authority to make lepers clean, to bring dead men back to life. Wow, what a savior we have. Fourthly, fifthly, I forget where we are, sixthly. This is just too good. We're not gonna keep counting, okay? How about that? Next point. You are the leper. 
At this point, we're thinking, man, I'd hate to be this guy. He's shunned, he's outcast, he's, he's debilitated, he can't be with anyone and he's gonna die a lonely death. Man, my heart goes out to him. Listen, because of your sin, you are the man. This is our state. Isaiah 53, verse six says, we like sheep have all gone astray. We have turned to our own way. Romans reiterates that the wages of sin is death. What is death? An outcast, broken relationship for a God who created you and loves you for relationship. And if you say, well, it's not, of course my sin's not that, but not me, no. That guy, some of you are looking to your neighbor thinking, yes, he's talking to you. Wake up, you leper. We, you are the man. You say, well, is it really that bad? Yes. The Bible says that we are dead in our sins. Leprosy was a death sentence. Your sin, one sin is a death sentence. You and I are lepers. And never forget that, that your sin makes you untouchable. It makes you profaned. It makes you unholy. It makes you needing a touch from the Savior. Lastly, look at verse 45, and we'll conclude here. Jesus was set out in desert places and they came to him from, from everywhere. You see, what you might not have picked up is that at the end of the story, Jesus and the leper have traded places. The story begins by this man who is outcast in the deserted, lonely places because of his condition. And the story ends, where is Jesus? He's in the lonely, deserted places because of who he is and what he's willing to do. Isaiah 53, verse 3 again reminds us that Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like some, someone people turned away. He was despised and we did not value him. What a beautiful picture of the gospel that Jesus was willing to be despised and rejected. He was willing to take the leper's place that the leper might be restored. And the offer of new life is to you today. I'll never forget as a young man praying to receive Jesus Christ. He said, well, well what does that look like? Pastor, I need, I need to be restored. I need to be brought back in relationship how does that happen? You can pray a prayer like this. You can pray the prayer of the leper. God, you know I'm unclean because of my sin. But Lord, I'm bold enough to ask, not are you able, but Lord, if you're willing, I believe you sent your son to die on the cross who lived a perfect life, who rose again, and that today I will confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I will believe in my heart and Father. If you are willing today, make me clean. And here's the promise of the word of God. Listen to this. The Bible is very clear. Whoever with leprosy, with sin, 
calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I don't know what's keeping you from the Savior today. Whether it's taboo, whether it's tradition, whether it's pride, whether it's stigma, but listen to me, it's not worth it. Because when you come to Jesus Christ, there's an old song that you might not know if you haven't grown up in church, but it sounds like this. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that fills my soul. Something happened and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Restoration and healing are found in the touch of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Christ, may we have the compassion of our Savior. May we go to the untouchables. Today, if you are far from Christ, may today be the day of your salvation. Let's pray.